You are now listening to Rest Days. Before we dive into this week's episode, it's important for us to note that some of the topics we cover could be triggering. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to Rest Days. Today we are talking about the myths and lore of diet and fitness. This is Myths and Lore 101. I am your co-host, Maria Sylvester Terry, and with me today is the mystical... The mystical adjunct professor, (laughs) Lauren Lavelle. (laughs) Dr. Lauren Lavelle. (laughs) Et al. And... (laughs) Well, I am just delighted that we are going to jump in, essentially answering the questions we get asked all the time. We are going to do a little ping pong on the fitness and nutrition myths that we hear about a lot. and We just kind of want to put to rest. And yes, by listening to this episode, you too can access a certificate of completion that you can share with your friends. We look forward to being tagged in them on the interwebs. Speaking of the interwebs, y'all know we have a Patreon. We would love your support. You can... Join us at patreon.com slash restdayspodcast, and it wouldn't be a Rest Days podcast episode without some clickbait, and to be honest, I am the unprepared adjunct professor today, but Lauren's a straight-A student, and she's going to hook us up with some quality, and you called it organic clickbait. Yes. So I am not a straight-A student, but I would like to say that this this really just fell into my lap, mm. um, and it's one of my favorite types of of clickbait because it was, again, organic, encountered in the wild. So (laughs) we're in the myths and lore. We're talking about myths, mythology, and one of the the greatest characters, in my opinion, in um, fitness, wellness, diet, mythology is Jillian Michaels. Oh, Um, but of course, she might as well be the centaur. She she is quite literally um, Hades in many people's (laughs) interpretation. But Jillian Michaels is still here um, amongst us and currently promoting the DB method. Now, I have yet to find what DB (laughs) stands for, even though I'm on the page. Like, (laughs) oh, so okay. the DB method is is actually a machine. It's $329. You can buy it now and you can use Affirm or Afterpay. Are you looking it up? Great. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is the squat perfecter. You hold on to a pole and you, you put your little booty on this cushion and then you stand up, you squat up and down, but you're holding onto a pole. So it's like a it's like a pogo stick seesaw for your ass. Um, can I tell can I tell you what it reminds me of? Yeah. It reminds me of holding on to the back of a pickup truck at a like a party, an outside like river party and peeing in yes. <laughs> while, yes. while holding on to the back of the truck like a it's tailgate like a, pee. It's a squat stabilizer. That's correct. <laughs> yes. So if you were if you were striking a squat, that would be it. Um, I came like there, this really is the ultimate clickbait because I'm like, what the hell is this machine? And also 
Jillian Michaels. Um, so mm-hmm. bring it all together. You know, they they're they're promoting each other with this. But I really thought that this could was a great fit for mythology and lore because we're you know we're we're calling back to one of one of the the greatest uh, characters again in the fitness and wellness mythology and lore mm. for at least at least for millennials. Um, for sure. And then and then also because it's another machine and it's another buy and it's another fix, right? Because uh, it's creating a fitness plan just for you. And then it's showing you why what you've been doing is wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Inside and out, it really just lives and serves as clickbait. Oh, my yes. gosh. Yes. Uh, and you only have to train for 10 minutes on it. So it's got... Oh, it's- oh sure. And there's no weight, right? It's There's no additional resistance. They it's have before me. and after pictures. They have they they have all of the things that make um, an ideal clickbait, which is why it felt so organic, and why even after we discussed what we were going to talk about, I was like, we have to talk about this because I think it's just it's a perf- it's a chapter it's a chapter for sure. And it I, I think it is not only a chapter, but it's also this like ongoing mystery series, because you're right, you can't get anything on here that says what DB is. It's not really saying how it works. There is a section called why it works, but it is just like you said, it's testimonials and before and after photos. Yeah, I would also like to say that the first time I saw this, uh, it was being promoted by a Kardashian. So Hmm, well, there it goes. That all fits in. Oh, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Guess what DB stands for? Dat butt? Close. <laughs> Close. Dream butt? Dream butt! No. <laughs> Listen, I don't think so. I'm going to go back to sleep. I'm hitting snooze on the dream butt. Well, that's my clickbait. I, I hope that if you have seen that recently, because honestly, I don't know what I did to trigger this to come up in my algorithms. But I also like talking about the things that I come upon organically because of if you've seen this recently and you felt tempted or curious or whatever, like, yeah, let's dive into it. Um, Do I think it's particularly bad for you? No. I think you could use it safely and it would be fine. Do I think it's a necessary thing? Absolutely not. I think there are plenty of other ways to do squats and um, work your glutes and build whatever a dream butt is, which feels very individual. Um, we all have different ideas of a dream butt for sure. True, That's um, true. So I just wanted to throw it out there for anyone who may have, uh, number one, wondered what DB stood for, like me, because <laughs> it took us that long. And like, I've been seeing this and I just was like, where is this on the page? But um, I, I really think that, clickbait is so prevalent and so real so hopefully if you've seen this you now know a little bit more about uh, about the db method here it is and i will also say i wonder if it came up for you if you've ever searched for a walking pad because i think that the walking pad appeal is it's that a it gateway folds. It's <laughs> it folds it jiggle jiggles and it folds, I guess. Like it folds up, it, it's easy to put to the side. And this thing is also sort of marketed for how convenient it is to store or to fold up or to put away. I wonder if it kind of falls in line uh, in, in with the idea of like making fitness seem less of a pain. 
like less of a distraction. Well, like, last time we life. talked about that fitness doesn't have to even happen because you could put on a sauna suit. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Let's not forget. Yeah, we could just be sweating in a blanket. Yeah, forever, forever, really. So I love that clickbait. It feels so 2005. And I just <laughs> really needed I needed that I needed something besides a that girl routine clickbait. And we got it. Thank you. You know what? Throwback to 2005 when things were simpler. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we ever expected 2005 to seem simple. But here we are in 2023. And we are just here with Jillian Michaels. And she, She's still doing the most, mm -hmm. which is really the least. And that's the hardest part of this conversation. So <laughs> moving on, uh, I told Lauren that if that's clickbait, then this conversation is really the hook, line, sinker, and the catch. It is the picture of the guy holding the fish. It is the whole lore and mythology of fitness and food. And we are going to go back and forth. Um, maybe Lauren will do one. I'll do one and share a little bit about uh, the most common myths that we're getting, this is just a 101 certificate program, y'all. So we're going to keep it simple today, but know that we're open to suggestions and food for thought for the next one. 201 is uh, is waiting for you. So yeah. Lauren, maybe we'll have a guest. <laughs> oh my, yes, a real professor. <laughs> <laughs> I would love, love, love for you to get us started. When it comes to the fitness mythology, what are you going to hit us with today? Yeah, so I think I would like to start with the idea of who should be doing cardio and who should be doing strength training and the value in those. So I think that there's a huge problem <laughs> with how we frame cardio and strength training, particularly for women. Yep. Um, but I want to tackle it. I I'm first would like to shout out that I'm wearing the crying is my cardio shirt. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Laura. <laughs> ultimate meme collab between Scott and Laura. So shout out to them. And I think that cardio was what we were served, right? Like, particularly if you were a woman, particularly if you were ever prescribed weight loss, cardio was it. That was the value that cardio provided. It was for fat loss and yeah. weight loss. And that's it. And it was always very miserable um, for me in particular. I mean, I know people have found joyful movement in running and doing other forms of cardio. And that's awesome because cardio is for, there are great reasons to do it. But yeah. I think that the myth behind it is if you are fat, particularly, if you are fat, you should do cardio. You right. should not yeah. be strength training. You are fat and you do cardio. And that is a huge miss and a huge miss in the fitness industry that I feel like completely disregards um, everybody's like abilities, their, their, what they like, <laughs> like, what they have access to. And it's just like, no, there's only one way for you. And I also would like to say that like this, this is something that I have experienced myself. Like yeah. I've experienced the idea that people believe that I should be doing a particular exercise in the pursuit of changing my body, not knowing if I have that desire, by the way, just like blanket suggestions on what I should do. And it, it made me feel like I wanted to reject cardio 
And then you lose the value of cardiovascular work, which is to strengthen your endurance, your lungs, and your heart. And there's so much value in it um, outside of you should do this to change your body. The same would go with strength training. I think there's a lot of myths around that as well, right? It's about getting big and Mm -hmm. strong. Mm -hmm. And... Strong is cool, and strong looks different on every single body, and it might never produce a big. (laughs) It may never produce a big, and it also may never produce a particularly strong if you really want to get into it. Um, Strength is different and can be, like, qualified and quantified in different ways. So I think the idea of strength training versus cardio is a big thing, right? Like now that you've completed your uh, course in cardio, you're ready to move on to strength training as if these things can't be done together. Um, As if you can't run or swim or walk and then also lift weights, Um, take a hit class and then take a strength class. You, You know, all of these things are really like a lot of mythology around this, like how, and who should be doing these movements. So values of strength training, obviously feeling stronger, feeling more connected to your body, uh, being able to move furniture by yourself. Mm -hmm. There are cardio elements of strength training. If you've done it, Uh. (laughs) like either one of us, Um, if the the reps are high enough, it's game over. (laughs) There, there are many days when I take a look at my tracker and the heart rate is like high. (laughs) Um, I'm like, okay, beep, 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 emergency. But I also, and I also think like there's a consistency value. There's a meditative value to strength training and, and cardio that you can get on a different level. So the myth here is that certain bodies should do certain movements and should only do those movements. If you do strength training and you're a woman, you're going to get bulky. And that is bad because the male gaze, I don't know. Um, Because women aren't allowed to be strong because they're afraid we will overthrow them. I don't know. But that's what goes with strength training. If you're doing cardio, it's because you want to lose weight. And that's why you do cardio. You'll never be strong. All of those pitting them against each other. Big myth. You're allowed to mix and match. It's allowed to be fun. Um, Yeah, that's it. That's the myth that I would like to get rid of. The lore of cardio being for certain people and having a certain look. I'm so glad you hit that. That's got to, I think that's one of the biggest myths there's got, like that exists in fitness right it's now. A found, and, it's a foundational myth. <laughs> it is foundational. And if I might add, I think the foundation is fat phobia because the cardio pieces, you either have to keep running to not get fat or Correct. if you are fat, you need to pick up a cardio habit. And then I will also say like, where does it come from? The whole like women don't want to get bulky thing. Uh, well, y'all, I started lifting and my body changed and my size has changed. And like, I'm not the person I, I don't look like the person I moved down to New Orleans. Like I don't look like that no. person anymore. And I think part of it is also, it's the fear of just like getting bigger, period. Like, well, no, like you might not bulk up and look like a bodybuilder. Like there is a possibility that you will be a different size or your pant size goes up or your bra size, of course, might shift. And I think that there's like, it's always, it's always better if you gain muscle, but not like, it's like weight gain is unacceptable, but if it's muscle, we like give it a pass. And I just kind of want to name that I feel like there's, there's some fat phobia in that as well. Oh, absolutely. But like I said, honestly, the idea of, of, uh, 
women having strength oh is my also God. like an it's intimidating big. thing or taking up space is like obviously relates back to fat phobia and it also relates to the patriarchy it relates yes! to the supremacy yes it relates to like who who is demure and and so thin and barely taking up any space and not making <laughs> so a lot of noise <laughs> so <laughs> quiet can barely hold her head up because her <laughs> muscles they don't move like you know it's like all that bullshit and so yeah. i think that like that can be so empowering and you don't have to wait to do that until your body looks a certain way oh bingo 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 yes i mean i hear a lot about people not wanting to start joining a gym until they're in shape and i'm sort of like, or do oh, yoga what? until they're flexible like right right and i i i'm so so glad you you started this off here i think the whole we could do a whole episode on it so maybe that is two a one yeah um would you like me to introduce you to a nutrition myth I, as if I haven't asked you about enough of them. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, I love myth busting. It's one of my favorite things as a dietitian and a former teacher. Uh, bring them together and it's just showtime for me. And I would like to hit on what I believe is the most obsessed over macronutrient in nutrition, which is protein. Mm. Yes. So there is a dual myth here, Lauren. The dual myth is that we are eating too much. Americans eat too much protein. And then the other side of it is we don't get enough. It's the most important. It's always, I will say always with an asterisk because I don't necessarily believe in the <laughs> that's serious of a, um, an all or nothing. And it's obsessed over for weight loss. Like you have to eat enough protein so that you don't lose muscle mass and you lose body fat, like a whole thing. So I'd like to kind of walk you all through how this all happened. So I will say that on the two, we get too much end came from a, a study of Americans and their eating patterns compared to a standard, an RDA, recommended daily allowance of protein which is 0.8 grams per kilogram. And that is enough to prevent someone from experiencing protein malnutrition or protein deficiency is more, more correct. And so that is a fine amount for someone who's sedentary. So when, you know, I know uh, anti-diet dietitians mean well saying, you know, everyone's obsessed with protein. You don't need to be obsessed with protein, but I can't tell you how many clients I have. And the number one nutrient they're missing is protein because they, yes, maybe are kind of like pushed away from that dieting world. And I think that's great. However, protein's still important, especially if you're an active person, especially if you're strength training. And as we age, our bone mineral density is going down. And so we need to really consider the recovery element of strength training, which yes, helps build bone naturally. There's kind of a, a, a both and here that we don't need to have an, uh, an like an unmeasurable, like an, a limitless amount of protein. But I find that when people are trying to remove stigma for non-dieters and trying to make things feel like you don't have to get as much protein as you used to, they're really missing an opportunity to provide gray area, which is, okay, what is, like, how do you like to eat? What is your food preference? Um, are you eating protein at most meals? Or are you finding that you are very hungry, that most meals don't satisfy you? You eat a quick instant oatmeal in the morning and that's it. And you're hungry by 10, but you feel guilty about it. And like all of the diet and non-diet worlds sort of collide and the person gets really stuck. So what I will say is if you've ever heard someone say, oh, I heard Americans eat too much protein, I want you to ask yourself, well, 
who was surveyed and what type of American, what type of person and what activities did they have? Is it really that we're just chowing on cheeseburgers all the time? Like, is this just more of the narrative that like we're a fat nation and we don't take care of ourselves? <laughs> or is this that we, you know, we aren't really looking at an audience that serves like us, uh, e.g., this isn't content for us. <laughs> I've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Sometimes we see content that really doesn't serve us. So right. then we've got the other side of this, which is that you can never get enough protein. And do you know the formula that most Fitspo's suggest for protein intake? Um, isn't it two times your body weight? It's you usually uh, yeah. So two times your body weight in kilograms, or um, one pound, one gram per pound of body weight. So yeah. I mean, I'm looking at close to 200 grams of protein, y'all. <laughs> that's a that's like a oh yeah, and it's also like lean mass. There's like a whole thing that they've worked out to make it very removed, yes. also from your ability yeah. to do it yourself. This is all outside of you. Yes, Someone thank else has you. To help you. So right. So then there's also the formula. So there's the general bodybuilding formula of if you want to if you want to build muscle or you want to be healthy, you need to be eating your body weight in protein, or I've heard your ideal body weight in protein, or mm. like Lauren said, your lean body mass. So not including water, not including body fat, not including organs, right? Uh, what's your lean mass, um, which I guess- Not including organs. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's How are like- going to sort those out? I guess, well, I mean, you have a metric of skeletal muscle mass. So then you go through the whole thing of getting a scan on a body composition. Right, 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 right. It's, right, like, right. it's like, well, so it's, it's a whole mess. That's called your skeletal muscle mass. And I find that the whole thing is so agonizing because it, it, what does it come down to? A single number. And what's so challenging about that is if you do get a number like 200 pounds or 200 grams <laughs> of protein, you're looking at eating protein all day long and, and getting sick of it. And then there's also the concern of, is this going to injure my, my kidneys? And to which I would my say- GI. Yes. I would say a bigger concern is because it's such a high number, are you now supplementing? And is that damaging your stomach? Eating a lot of protein means, are you missing out on all the other nutrients you might need? It's not going right. to damage like, your Have kidneys. you had a vegetable? Do you have space yes. for vegetables? Yes. Do you have space for other things? How about joy? Can we have some ice cream? Like, can we talk about fun food oh, too? And not like a protein ice cream? Oh, yeah. Caleb was reminding me about our Arctic no, freeze no, or dark Arctic time. zero days. They were dark days. Dark times. So um, kin uh, kidney injury is not necessarily we're concerned about unless you have an existing kidney issue or a medication totally. that you're taking um, or some sort of condition that would affect that. But I will say like that, that's also a lot of protein. I would never recommend that to anyone. Um, even if they are in that bodybuilding world, like I just don't find it is uh, sustainable. I feel like you have to fixate on protein and you're really going to miss out on all the other nutrients you need. And how about this one? The general intake of your, like, of your nutrition, it, only 20 to 30% of it really needs to be protein. Right. So like right. now we're looking at 50 or 60 and it's like, man, you're just going to break down a lot of that excess protein for glucose and gluconeogenesis, or you're going to store it because it's just excess. So I, it's not something you just like poop out and move on. Like there, it, it isn't necessarily helpful. So it, to, <laughs> to summarize almost as succinctly as Lauren did a summary of hers is there's the one side of this myth, which is we're eating too much protein. Americans are obsessed with protein. The protein industry is out of control. 
And, and there's some truth to all of those statements in some ways, right? Like, yes, the protein industry is a huge part of the weight loss industry, et cetera. However, the original study that's based on is based on a metric that is often too low for an active individual. Um, second end of this is we have a lot of people on the internet suggesting one gram of protein per pound of body weight, which is not only likely unsustainable, but probably really not flavorful and tasty. Also just could, gross. Yeah. Just gross could be really uh, hard on the stomach. And like, for what? What are we doing this for? Um, we could talk about the metabolism of protein all day long. It's not that interesting. Um, ultimately, the idea here would be, from my end, like, create a range create a range like what's a couple striking yeah within, within striking distance of that range yeah. and there we go like yeah like we don't need to be calculating our protein intake or like writing it down and counting up all the ingredients in our food what if we just said baseline i want to have protein at each meal and see how i feel i'm still not recovering from workouts okay maybe i need a little bit more protein with snacks or i need something after my workout i haven't been eating after workouts because i'm really busy and i go back to work like zoom out and get away from the fixation on we're either doing too much or not enough because the the truth is somewhere in the middle anyway yeah and it's super individual so thanks for that and you you said the macronutrient we talk about the most and it literally could have been either it could have been anything <laughs> <laughs> i was like <laughs> what is it gonna be it could, it could literally be any of them like it's so um, true so i think that that's important also like you know um i've definitely been focusing on the protein at every meal like i think that that's the easiest first approach when you're thinking yeah about absolutely just like every meal all right so we're uh we're bouncing back to me yeah <laughs> yes it's your turn I think this one is a little bit, um, it's related to our clickbait. It's related to clickbait we've talked about in the past. Mm. And I wanted to bring in um, perfect posture and perfect form. Okay. Uh, just automatically perfect, right? So perfect. I think perfect's the big thing. Yeah, let's let's just start from the beginning. It's, it's a fine place to start. Perfect in front of anything is already going to be uh, an expectation that is not going to be met by most of Completely. us. Completely. Unrealistic Completely. expectation. So you're setting yourself up there. Um, we've talked about all these braces. We've talked about how to hold your body in a perfect posture. Mm -hmm. And we've also talked about how that's related to how your body is perceived and whose posture is not perfect. And what does that look like? Does that mean like your belly's out a little bit more? You're not mm -hmm. sucking it in. Mm -hmm. You're not pressing your chest out. So there's a variety of ways that we've determined what perfect posture is and what that looks like. I'd also like to build on the fact, we've talked about this before too, the myth that posture is static. That's, it's mm. something that, it's something that if we just pull our shoulders back, engage our bellies and like stand here in a statue, not unlike a Greek or Roman statue, if you will, that we will attain this perfect posture. But posture is dynamic. Posture moves, which yes. is what, moves us into the other part of this, which is perfect form, because moving with good or perfect posture through a movement should mm -hmm. produce perfect form, but perfect form doesn't exist right? or That's doesn't look the same for everyone. Yeah. Perfect form doesn't exist and it doesn't look the same for everyone. So my perfect squat I guarantee you, I guarantee you, the perfect squat for me is going to be a wider stance for 
than Maria's perfect squat. And it's because I have a belly. So <laughs> the reality is if I try to squat in the exact same foot position, if Maria put her foot put her feet down on something, there was a stamp. It's exactly where her feet are. I have to turn my feet out to the exact same angle and drop to the exact same depth as her. I would be unable to attain this because I have a belly and I have boobs that are preventing me from going any further. So what does that mean? Do we, do I just try to continue doing a Maria squat for the rest of my life and feel like I'm never able to hit the depth that allows me to engage my muscles? Or do I change my stance? Do I change my posture? And do I change my form to fit my body and allow me to complete the movement full range of motion through my perfect form? And I think that that's this huge myth of injury and fear mongering around perfect posture and perfect form. And we're, we're, we're dumping that one for 101. Yes, we are. We are over it. I absolutely love talking about this, um, from the angle of body diversity. Um, Mm -hmm. and it really just speaks to like all of the products, all of the programs, the idea of perfecting anything. It's perfecting it for a body standard that most of us aren't, aren't achieving. <laughs> Most of us right. are not just like fitting in the mold. Um, you know, you think about like what it means to have a perfect squat. I, I'm in a gym a lot and you hear a lot of comments. Like, oh my God, look at, look at that squat depth. And it's almost like, well, I'm never going to hit that squat depth. Is my squat not any good? <laughs> the way my ankles are set up. Like... <laughs> um, okay. Only I can make fun of my ankles. <laughs> oh, I was making fun of mine. Oh. <laughs> My biggest hindrance in squats is my ankle mobility. And, yeah, same. Uh, like yes. it's like a it's like a it's like a badge. It's like a the the <laughs> A from like I've been labeled with ankle mobility yeah. issues. Like that's, that's the A in the scarlet letter, y'all. Yes, yes. Ankle issues. <laughs> a for a, a is for ankle. Um, but yeah, I think that that's so important, especially for folks who are getting back into movement, just starting out, you're going to hear so often and you're going to be fear mongered out of moving. And it's happened to me before. I have been fear mongered out of moving for fear that my body was not performing the move to the standards in which it was supposed to. And the reality is like, those moves were not made with my body in mind. They're kind of like guidelines and suggestions. Of course, we don't want anyone injuring themselves. As a trainer, there would be a point where someone was doing something and I told them to stop because it was close to injuring that person in that yeah, scenario. Yeah. But I joke all the time in bar. I'm like, this is a body weight exercise for the most part. Like we can kind of move through a, a whole spectrum of movement and some of it may be wrong, like mm-hmm. eh, whatever. And some of it may be right. Like, yay, you've attained this perfect wide diamond, but most of it doesn't matter because you're not at risk of injury and because it's so individual. So mm-hmm. we have to really come back to finding a more neutral understanding and a more diverse understanding of what form and posture look like. And remember that these are not static 
you're not at the bottom of your squat. Someone snaps a picture and that's it. Because when you're coming up, sometimes it's not looking the same. Like those knees, yes, those knees, the, baby. The knees, are, <laughs> the knees are wobbling. Maybe there's some rounding. Maybe there's like some, again, uh, there's so much movement and this is a movement practice. So we cannot just base this completely on what we look like in static positions throughout movement. Um, perfect form and perfect posture are overrated. We're going for individual, safe and engaged form and posture. Yes, yes, I, I really appreciate that last sentence um, because I know that there's the what about in our brain. Um, that's like the little patriarch in our brain that's like, but what about? And like Lauren did not say form doesn't matter or safety doesn't matter or posture doesn't matter. It, it's just that it's so nuanced that there is no real need to have this is the image of a perfect squad or this is, you know, you know this is what it looks like to be perfect in bar class. I mean, we also just shortchange how resilient our bodies are, don't we? When it's like, oh, we're oh my not gosh, perfect. we've all been doing silly stuff, right? Like we've carried yes. the way I carry in like shit to my house is so unsafe. Yes, <laughs> yes completely, completely. Um, I'm not saying go out and injure yourselves, y'all. I do really appreciate the level of nuance you've brought to this conversation. It's something that I feel has kept me from moving too, even in running. Like, oh, is my running posture okay? Um, your body will speak up for you. Your body will yeah. tell you, obviously. Exactly. It's just, I think when we are so afraid to the point of not participating, there is something off about that. And maybe that's also fueling another industry in and of itself, right? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. love that. All right. So next we're going back to the nutrition myth. Here we are. I, I, as much as I feel like there's so many, um, like fitness movement exercise myths, nutrition just laps over and over and over again. It just, mm -hmm. it, they, y'all have like a new myth every three minutes. A new myth oh, is yeah. born every three minutes. <laughs> Yeah, every time a cloud passes the sun, y'all, it's there's another one for us. And I think that many of them, um, they contradict each other, which is the most yes. infuriating part of all of it is that you might have heard 10 years ago that eggs raise your cholesterol. And then 10 years after that, you're hearing that if you eat six eggs a day, you're going to lose weight. And it's like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> I can't afford to eat six <laughs> eggs a day. You think I've got $40 to be <laughs> running around like that? Uh -uh. Six no. eggs a day. My um, goodness. No, the egg. We have been talking about the price of eggs on this podcast. It will be an artifact for future generations. I, but I love eggs. That's why it's a topic that always I comes know, up. Because I'm too. like, how are, you, how are you pricing me out of my food? Oh, I know it's hard. Eggs are just such a huge part of both of our lives um I'm, not, I'm actually not going to talk about eggs and cholesterol that's more of a 201 topic i will talk about this idea that is a myth called mm. called revving up your metabolism <laughs> rev it up it's just an engine baby we think the metabolism is this shut up and drive right? <laughs> It's like a furnace and it's like on fire in our bellies and it's just like, I am churning and burning, baby. And the irony of all ironies is most of the things you hear that rev up your metabolism are actually sabotaging you because they mm. typically are rooted in the idea of eating less or restricting food, right? One of the two or both. Um, making sure that you are eating certain foods and not others. So a little hierarchy of foods, a halo on the apple cider vinegar, the lemon water. 
it is very much silver bullet type stuff and your metabolism is so much more sophisticated. It's so sophisticated, Lauren, that we really aren't even sure quite how all of it works. It is thousands and thousands of pathways, pretty much powered by minerals, which is really cool. Vitamins and minerals really throw all of those systems into action. Bye, Maria's minerals. <laughs> See what I did there? Here we go. We're going right into another lore. Um, it really is like that sometimes. Thinking about how it's not just as simple as, oh, my metabolism was in the crapper, and now I'm drinking lemon water, and everything is much better. Like, Correct. not quite how it works, y'all. Um, what I will say is some of the myths that are around revving up the metabolism are, yes, apple cider vinegar, lemon water in the morning, warm water, um, hot tea, like any tea, really, like herbals. Um, any elixir, your ashwagandhas, like all of the type of supplements you'll hear. You'll also hear things like eating small meals throughout the day or, you know, uh -huh. six small meals, not eating three big meals or not eating a big meal before dinner. It would, it's, it's so hard on your metabolism. Eating carbs after eight. Don't do that for your metabolism. There's also just like a general like caveat slash nuance here that I want to flag for us, which is we always hear about your metabolism as it pertains to your weight. Like you have a slow metabolism Correct. I was or a fast metabolism. And it's just like, wait a second, we haven't even touched on protein metabolism, alcohol metabolism, carbohydrate metabolism, your hormones and how they work, your body's ability to transport food to different places, the way that your fluids move to your muscles, water moves to your muscles so that you can actually utilize them in exercise. Like, we don't actually talk so about you're metabolism. you're not a beef jerky? <laughs> right. We don't, we don't just crack in half. Like, our bodies, uh, you like the concept of metabolism is it's not just like this furnace it really is thousands of processes many of which we have some idea of or no real idea of just a hunch and it isn't just as simple as this like 21st century solution that someone made in a maybe third party tested lab like are you kidding me but yeah. we are so fixated on our weight and like oh i have a slow metabolism mm -hmm. like let let me tell you your metabolism is, it probably isn't slow it has adapted so that's the sort of like point I have to make is that your metabolism doesn't break. It doesn't slow or quicken up because of certain, like the way that you eat specifically to like the, down to the ingredient, like coffee revs your metabolism. It's that your metabolism adjusts, it adapts. So if you go 10 years of your life, you have to eat 1200 calories to like be on the certain weight loss program. Eventually, your, metal your metabolism, which is, again, thousands of processes, says, listen, we've got to do all of this work, and if you're not going to give us the amount of food we need to do it, we will adapt. We won't blink as much. We won't fidget as much. We won't grow They're making budget cuts. They're making, making budget cuts. Yo, we're talking budget cuts and layoffs. It's a rough time right. for your metabolism. Mm -hmm. And guess what it learns to do? It learns to operate. And mm -hmm. so when people get all up in arms of like, again, they mean well. But the intention doesn't quite uh, doesn't matter when the impact is harmful. I know that anti diet anti diet dietitians mean well when they say your body needs more than twelve hundred calories. However, what's often missed is that many people's bodies are functioning just barely, but functioning on twelve hundred calories because their metabolism has adapted. So when they finally go and give up dieting and start eating food, they might gain weight. They yeah. might gain weight rapidly too because it is, mm -hmm. it is a such a huge adjustment, um, which is a, a a good one, right? It's an important one, and we can't just say uh, it'll be easy. 
because you might right. be in a, you might recover into a body that you don't you did not expect. So I want to make a lot of space for that because I know that can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. If you're wondering, okay, Maria, you've told me all about why all the things I believe don't matter. Uh, here's what it does. Um, so your muscle mass is a huge part of your metabolism. So how much muscle you have in your body or on your body does contribute to your metabolic rate, which is really cool. So I'm not saying you burn more calories, you gain more muscle. It's not quite that simple, but a big base of your metabolic rate is how much muscle you have. Um, your uh, metabolic rate is also influenced by your organs. There, there, there are the organs again. So your brain runs on calories, your lungs, your kidneys, all of that good stuff. So what needs to happen is you need to eat enough food. That is how you rev up your metabolism, is you need to eat your maintenance needs. What is going to maintain your body? It's not go- probably not going to be 1,200 calories if you are you know, a, a, an adult at this point. So are you eating enough food? And then the second part would be, are you eating consistently? Do you go periods of time without food? Does that threaten the body? Does that create a feeling of lack of safety in the body, in which case the metabolism is going to act differently? It's going to start kind of wondering, okay, do we have to make some adjustments here? Mm-hmm. So are you eating consistently? That's kind of where the six small meals concept comes from, but the body is ready to trust you if you're ready to trust your body. So if you are consistently feeding your body, it's going to... Right. Like, it doesn't matter if it's six or three. Yeah, It it just, it, it needs to be... It needs to happen. Right. And so thinking consistent food intake means consistent hunger cues, starting to notice your fullness, like the systems start to work. Um, additionally, what also supports your metabolism is exercise is a really helpful, any type of, well, this is like, this brings us, this brings us back to the first myth in fitness though, of the cardio versus strength training. Cause you just said muscle is very important when it comes to metabolism, not again to like out train your bad metabolism, but for a form of maintenance, which again is a holistic thing because it's maintaining your whole body, like outside of aesthetics, like for aging and for safety, that's a whole thing. But like that system is related to our first thing of like, if you're now trying to rev your metabolism you're only doing long runs like you, you there's so yes. many things that go wrong so quickly <laughs> nailed it right if you're only going for long runs you are asking your metabolism to do more you're increasing its expenditure so what are you going to do you're going to crave a lot more energy and if you've been trained to think hunger is a bad thing and you start ignoring it your metabolism adapts you are struggling in your movement and guess what now you don't feel like doing it so like and you're injury prone and you're injury prone yes and then injury on top of a metabolism that's not running at peak speed or peak work uh doesn't have all the nutrients it needs to do its job well that means slower recovery too from that injury so if you've ever heard an advertisement to eat enough food man this is it uh and i am not paid by big metabolism this is real stuff (laughs) this is just stuff to do the last thing i'll say is stress does impact the metabolism it does uh deplete you know the nutrients in your body in order to help you be in stress to exist in stress a minimal or you know sort of moderate amount of stress we are used to but chronically being stressed chronically not getting enough rest 
not getting enough sleep, those things also affect how your body uses and absorbs nutrients, which affects your metabolism. So I, none of those things you can really buy, right? They're not like click here for three payments of $9.99. It's not the dream butt machine for your metabolism. And I hope that you can feel empowered to know that you actually don't need to buy into a system of silver bullet solutions. You can really focus on the basics to be like in a position with your body where it feels safe and able to do its job functionally. Yes, I, I am so excited that we don't have to click the link to buy something. And I also just as you were describing it, as you were saying, like, there's such a deep disservice when only certain bodies could have a metabolism mm -hmm. issue, right? Like, so there's a disservice for when only someone in a larger body is perceived as having a metabolism issue. And that disservice is done to both people in that instance, the person in the smaller body who's not getting the help that they need because it's being overlooked because it's not being flagged. Mm -hmm. And the person who may be in a larger body who might have a perfectly functional metabolism that is maintaining their body that they are in that is genetically theirs. Um, and I think that we can just really like, stretch this whole thing out and there's so many like issues that come into it of who's getting the help that they need whose body is considered ideal to have the ideal metabolism what what are we revving this metabolism to get and mm. and who who's losing and who's 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 losing out who's on who's constantly going to be losing and i think it's interesting to talk about the effects of stress and the effects of genetics and the effects of all of the things that change the way your bodies look and whose body is shown as ideal, whose body is constantly under more stress, yeah. under more duress, who has Ooh. less access. Ooh. So there are factors that are working against, against and for bodies, but there are so many things that, that everybody loses. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. what, what body you're in. There are so many factors that make this such a lose, lose when we frame it as a simple, like fast or slow, good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. And then I will add on to that, that how about that individualistic, it was your fault thing where it's right. like, okay, so you dieted for the last 10 or 15 years or 30 years of your life. And, oh, well now I caused my metabolic issue. I I didn't know better. So now it's my fault. And I just, uh, I try to steer my clients so far away from that conversation um, because it just reeks of capitalism. It mm -hmm. reeks of you being, you know, the, the reason, you know, your choices got you here. And y'all, I mean, the thing, of, the thing about the way that you said that, Lauren, is beautiful. It is like certain bodies are under ex extremely more stress and extremely more duress. And that does matter. And it's not because it's your fault. Um, right. I can't emphasize that enough. Um, just, you know, if you're hearing any of this today and you're like, oh, well, I guess I was an idiot for believing that you're not. We have all been spoon fed this on every magazine cover since we could read as kids in the grocery store. Yeah, some of us have been spoon fed and others have been like, no, you shouldn't take any more spoons. You've had enough. <laughs> yeah, you can look, but you can't touch. <laughs> Just smell the spoon. Okay? <laughs> don't you can don't sniff do anything it. Else. You can yeah. sniff it. That's what but you But yeah, it's today. so true. Like all of these all of these myths we can really break down to um 
the the wrongness of the individual as opposed to the wrongness of the system that mm. created created all of these myths. And so if you're listening to this and and you heard any of these things and some of these things may be super triggering, you may have like some personal attachments to them, please like please know that we are examining the systems that cause these myths to exist. You're not you're not silly for playing mm-hmm. into a myth. You're um you're exactly where they wanted you to be. Yep. You're exactly where they wanted you to be. A hundred percent. It takes a lot of self-compassion to claw your way out of that dieting headspace and knowing that you're still going to exist in a society that promotes it, that thrives on it. So it is an endless work of self-compassion. And Lauren, I've learned so much of that through you and I can't, I can't express how grateful I am for obviously our friendship and for an opportunity to have a podcast like this so that other people can kind of hear these uh, conversations and processing. Thanks. I I love having these conversations. And if you have reached this point, just know you can submit to get your certificate of completion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's our clickbait for all of you. If you've reached this point in the podcast, you actually do get your certificate of completion for Mythology and Lore's Diet Culture Edition um, 101. Yes, they will be signed by us and you can access your certificate. You could print it. You could frame it. Um, It certainly is a, I'd say, a market achievement. Yeah, and it's significantly less expensive than any <laughs> certificate I've, I've received. Yeah, yeah, this is better than any weekend nutrition cert, let me tell you. <laughs> well, I think this brings us towards the end it of does. today's lesson. Um, I appreciate... I can't wait for the next uh, the next lesson because, again, like I said, the world of, the world of nutrition is fast-paced, baby. <laughs> I will try for the next one to have something really recent just to prove that point. Yes. 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 And um, where can they find us? Where can they get these certificates? You can get your certificate. Make Please make sure that you're following us on our socials. So Lauren's on TikTok, Instagram, at Lauren Lavelle Fitness. I am on Instagram. We're, we're thinking about a TikTok return. And TikTok is, curious. TikTok yes, curious. TikTok curious at vitamin underscore R-I re. Uh, and also our Patreon, as, as mentioned. And is there anywhere else that they can find us, Lauren? Well, I'm in Philadelphia. Yes. Okay. And I'm in, I'm in New Orleans. If you should want to find us in person, <laughs> we love a fan. We love a fan. <laughs> I appreciate this conversation greatly. And I'm so excited for our next episode because we may or may not have a guest coming on. Yes. This. It'll be really exciting. So we will see you next time, y'all. Thanks so much for your attention. Thank have you. a good day. Bye. Bye.